Today is May 7th, 2021. Caitlyn Jenner makes her pitch for governor of California. Businesses struggle to find workers. And Trump gets banned from Twitter. Again. I'm your host, Austin Taylor, and this is Split the Difference Podcast. Here we take a look at both sides of the political aisle as we try to bridge the gap between today's biggest issues. Remember, times may be divisive and we may not always agree, but together we can stay level-headed, be reasonable, and always split the difference. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends. Split the Difference family, we have another fantastic episode for you here to close out the week, bringing you all of the best news and insights from both sides of the aisle. And I can say with the utmost degree of certainty that this is the best podcast that we have done thus far in our podcasting journey. As always, y'all, you know that we're going to be doing our best to look at the good and the bad and everything in between on both sides of the aisle and doing our best to split the difference and find the sweet, sweet truth that oftentimes lies right there in the middle. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and hop on into our first story of the day. Story number one. So for our first story of the day, Caitlyn Jenner announces that she is going to be running for the governorship of California. Now, Caitlyn Jenner announced this a little while ago, but I think now she's just now coming out, making her pitch. She went on Sean Hannity, right? Did a little interview there, which we'll take a quick look into, a little highlight clip there. Uh, But a little while ago, I covered a story about the recall of California Governor Gavin Newsom. He's the Democrat that is currently the governor of California. And basically, A lot of people in California decided that Gavin Newsom was absolutely awful. So many people, they were actually able to put together over 1.5 million signatures towards the recall of him being governor. Basically, they don't really like Gavin because they think he is terrible. So... What that allows for is for him to, his governorship to actually be recalled and for them, for a new race to be held, a special election where someone can come in and challenge him. There have been a few people that have said that they want to do it, but no one has garnered nearly as much attention and honestly support as Caitlyn Jenner. This is for a few reasons, uh, and it's going to shape up to be incredibly interesting. So, Uh, She chose to do her first interview with Sean Hannity on Fox News. Let's go ahead and hop in real quick and take a quick look at some of the highlights from that interview. My friends are leaving California. Actually, where my hangar, the guy across right over from me, he was packing up his hangar. I said, where are you going? And he says, I'm moving to uh, Sedona, Arizona. I can't take it anymore. I can't walk down the streets and see the homeless. But but girls, transgender sports, people that like joy that say the wrong thing. Joy that says, you know, I, I mentioned a second ago, my mom sometimes, you know, when she gets upset, you know, she, I, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with that. The community has a bigger problem with that than I do. Um, I stick with my statements that I made. Um, I think um, uh, we have to make sure that the integrity of girls' sports is there. I think that's extremely important. How you came down on the sports side of the issue. I don't know why, to be honest with you, I don't know why they keep asking Matt. What do you think, Sean? I don't know. Why why do they keep asking me that question? Uh, Uh, Great question. We are now spending billions of dollars on this high-speed rail. Uh, I can get on a plane at LAX and I'll be in San Francisco in 50 minutes. You know, why do we need high-speed rail? All right. So... 
Uh, they went on and talked a lot about uh, Caitlyn Jenner's op- opinions on transgenderism or transgender people in sports. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner received a lot of flack from her own transgender community because she came out and stated that she did not believe that transgender women should be allowed in girl sports uh, at all. As in someone that is a biological male trans isn't transitioning to a female and then being allowed in female sports. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner said that that wasn't fair, received a ton of flack from the left side of the aisle. You can clearly see there that Jenner stands by what she said before. Um, if you don't know who Caitlyn Jenner is, okay, a reality, she's a ra- reality TV star and a former Olympic athlete uh, that made some pretty huge waves years ago when she came out as transgender. Uh, she was one of the first incredibly high-profile people to actually come out and f- get fully reassigned uh, her gender. Uh, I don't know the specifics of, you know, the whole gender reassignment surgery and everything, but Caitlyn Jenner came out, changed her name uh, to Caitlyn Jenner, and then uh, also claimed now that she, you know, had always felt like a woman and now that she is a woman. So incredibly high profile. This was a couple of years ago. Um, she has been a long time Republican, uh, has lived in California for decades at this point, came out in support of Donald Trump in 2016 before renouncing that support later on in 2018, because she said that his stance on LGBT community was not good. And for a no- number of other reasons around policy as well. Um, at this point though, I honestly think that Caitlyn Jenner has a very, very good chance at winning the governor's race in California, okay? California is an incredibly left-leaning state, as many of you know. There's no way to win there as a Republican unless you are incredibly moderate by national standards, okay? And also incredibly popular. It helps if you are part of or have participated in kind of the Hollywood elite culture there in California. A great example of this is Arnold Schwarzenegger, who won actually in 2003 by defeating the Democratic incumbent, and that was an election that was done based upon a recall, okay? So the the sitting governor in 2003, uh, they submitted a bunch of signatures. He was recalled. Arnold Schwarzenegger stepped in and actually won as a Republican in the state of California because... California, they thought that that governor was before Arnold Schwarzenegger was absolutely awful. What is interesting is that in California, they normally elect incredibly far left people. Okay, they're notorious for kind of being California and New York, especially on the forefront of progressive politics. Okay, and then when these incredibly far left leaning people get in there, especially in the role of governor, and push a lot of incredibly far left policy. A lot of California gets incredibly upset about it because for the most part, it pretty much destroys the state. They have an unbelievable amount of people that have left California over this past year. Homelessness has been on the rise. Taxes have been on the rise. The whole state was shut down for almost the entirety of last year. And Gavin Newsom all the while was holding parties with all of his rich friends and hanging out through the entire thing. Okay. People are looking at that. And a lot of people in California are blaming the policies of Gavin Newsom, which are undoubtedly incredibly progressive. They are very, very far left, okay? And a lot of Californians are looking up and they're like, all right, something has to change because things are not right. Maybe we need to go in a different direction. The exact same thing happened in the early 2000s with Arnold Schwarzenegger as well. So the reason why Caitlyn Jenner is incredibly interesting 
is because Jenner represents an incredibly moderate wing of the Republican Party that does not fall in line with Donald Trump. And I do think that if Jenner were to win in California, it would be an incredibly big indicator as to what the Republican Party might want to move towards in the coming year. Okay, People are definitely tired of the Trump era of Republicanism, and they want something that is more moderate and towards the center. Okay, They want a Republican that cares about the environment and wants to make changes there. They want one that is actually fiscally conservative and wants to, to actually take away regulation that will eventually lead to getting rid of budget deficits. Republicans, there's a lot of moderate Republicans that really want to see a budget surplus for the first time in a long time. They want to push one, they want a Republican that pushes for rights to privacy, one that supports the black community and also wants criminal justice reform, Okay. There's no doubt that the vast majority of especially independents and, you know, more moderate traditional, which it's unbelievable that traditional Republicans are now considered moderate Republicans, but more traditional Republicans that want a lot of those things that are much more towards the middle of the aisle that is away from that kind of Trump Republicanism, okay? And Jenner offers that middle ground. And I also will say that her being transgender will absolutely help out when she's running for Cal the governor of California, okay? As crazy as it is, being transgender is a huge differentiator in the California governor race because there are plenty of other states within the country where I don't know that you could say the same thing would hold true, especially not five or ten years ago, okay? Now, uh, one of the most common tropes from the left side of the aisle against Republicans is that Republicans are, by nature, because they are Republicans, against the entirety of the LGBT community. Basically, a common trope from the far left and the progressives is that if you're a Republican, you are either racist or you're trans or homophobic. But it is very, very difficult to make the argument that someone is transphobic or against the LGBTQ agenda if that Republican is actually transgender. And that makes a huge difference in California where the vast majority of the people there actively and openly support the LGBT community and actively and openly support uh, putting somebody in a role of leadership that is within that community, Republicans and Democrats alike. Okay. So, Jenner hasn't really done any other interview interviews where she actually gives actual policy prescriptions. However, a lot of that can kind of be found on her website. Uh, I believe it's a uh, caitlinjenner.com. Uh, however, you know, I, I've read through a good bit of it. It definitely sounds a lot better than what they have in Gavin Newsom right now. Uh, but it it is very, very clearly a, a push towards a moderate Republican role, okay? A lot on the website talks about uh, reducing and cutting back on regulations, becoming more fiscally responsible. Um, talk, talk A ton was talking about immigration, and instead of we don't need to let any more immigrants in at all. We need to shut the border off and absolutely reduce any type of immigration that's coming in at all. Caitlyn Jenner is saying, no, it's okay to have a border wall. We need to have security that's coming in, but it is okay to allow immigrants to come in. We want for immigrants to come in. They're a vibrant part of our state in California. So it's really, you know, kind of that middle ground that I think a lot of Republicans are really looking for. And there's a lot of independence, especially in California, that I think that that will appeal to. So 
this will be a really big race to watch because if Jenner gets in and actually enacts some Republican-leaning policy and cuts regulation, reduces the California budget deficit, and cleans up some of the rampant homelessness that is going on there, that I think it could cause major waves across the entire country. California is one of the biggest states in the entire union. I believe actually it is the biggest state in the entire union. So having a governor there that is Republican that is making waves and enacting policy that could actually be uh, positive for the state, right? Not that, you know, Democratic government governors there haven't and don't uh, because they absolutely have, but a Republican that basically were to come in and completely turn the tide from where it's at right now in an incredibly left-leaning governorship, uh, I think would it would it would turn a lot of heads going into midterms next year for sure. So big race to watch. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff going off in California right now. So with all of that, that is the end of our first story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our second story. Story number two. So for our second story of the day, believe it or not, businesses are actually struggling to find employees. So as many of you heard, have heard, or at least heard me talk about on the podcast before, the economy is coming back in full force right now. And a very interesting problem is starting to come up. Uh, one that many people may not have been able to see coming unless, of course, uh, you listen to this podcast or you are me because I've totally called this for months and months on end now. Uh, so unemployment has steadily been coming down. Okay, it's been coming down, trickling down slowly for a couple of months. Workers are getting back into their jobs or finding new jobs. The economy was slowly but surely starting to add jobs as well. Uh, the government has been handing out money hand over fist. And Joe Biden actually got in. And for the first time uh, during the pandemic, we had a president that was in office that acknowledged that COVID was actually a problem and, you know, actually started taking COVID seriously. So the number of new cases started dropping. The number of vaccines is absolutely booming. People are getting in their arms and we're starting to see herd immunity start to take place. Uh, deaths are dropping down. New cases are dropping down. Coronavirus is getting under control. All signs have been pointing straight to the moon for the United States economy. But then over the past month or two, unemployment has begun to stagnate a little bit. And this is happening for a few different reasons, which I think that we it is very important for us to talk about a little bit. As many of you know, the economy and finance, all of that good stuff, the money problems, right? That's like my bread and butter. It's my favorite thing to talk about. I talk about it on the podcast all the time because I think it's incredibly important for all of us to be well aware of what is happening in the economy because there are a lot of politicians that run on what's going to affect your pocketbook. Well, Let's talk about what's actually going to affect your pocketbook. So first, why is unemployment kind of starting to stagnate? Why could the economy maybe not be in as good of a position as we thought that it was in? First, there are fewer jobs, okay? So there were 8.4 million fewer jobs in March of 2021 than in March of 2020. However, there were 4 million fewer people in the workforce this March compared to last March, meaning that there are more people that are basically just sitting it out. Okay. Surprisingly, in a survey done by ZipRecruiter, they found that only 35% of applicants felt financial pressure to take the first job offer that they received compared to 51% 
And the same question was asked in 2018. And if you remember, in 2018, that was when the economy, 2018 and 2019, the economy was going straight up, okay? There was just a huge tax cuts and job act that was implemented by a Republican Congress and a Republican president. They came in and said, we're going to, we're going to reduce taxes. Businesses were, at, were booming. They were adding on more, more debts. They were adding on more employees, right? Everything was going straight up. This seems then, right, at 51% of people that were looking for jobs in 2018 under a booming economy uh, wanted to take the first job offer that they find because they desperately needed the money. But now only 35% are saying they would take the first job offer because they desperately needed money. This seems at stark odds from what you seem to hear every single day in the media, right? Basically that people are starving in the streets, that the pandemic is crushing people's wallets, uh, and that, that people just can't find a job. People don't know what to do. They're in utter I mean, they're in, I mean, there's no respite to the difficulty in these people's lives, right? But in fact, there are so many people that are comfortable with where they're at, they're actually choosing not to go back out into the workforce, and they're also choosing in their job searches to be incredibly picky about the job it is that they choose. So why is that? That gets into our second point, the benefits that they're receiving right now. So many people with kids are not going back to work because they don't have anything to do with their kids, okay? As of the week of April 27th, only 60% of the nation's largest 200 school districts were fully reopened, meaning that there are still a ton of kids that are doing all of their schoolwork from home and many childcare facilities are operating at a reduced capacity with many of them not being able to fully open back up simply because they cannot find the number of workers that they need to open back up fully okay there are also there's also the huge factor of unemployment benefits so right now people that are receiving unemployment are actually kind of killing it okay in respect to what they could have had before According to the Labor Department, more than 16.1 million people received unemployment benefits the week of April 17th. 16.1 million people, okay? Those receiving job benefits get an additional $300 a week on top of regular state benefits because of federal COVID stimulus passed by Congress uh, last year, okay? Which you know, averages somewhere around $318 a week. And all this is according to the Labor Department. Okay. That means that the average unemployment recipient earns the equivalent, earns actually better than the equivalent of working a full-time job at $15 an hour. Okay. Those enhanced benefits are available all the way through September for a maximum of nearly 18 months. Okay. That's about three times longer than most states typically allow. So a University of Chicago study found that 42% of those that are on benefits receive more than they did at their prior jobs. And the share is higher when factoring in temporary health insurance offered through relief benefits as well. So the question then turns to why in the world would you go back to work, especially if it's a lower wage job, if you can make the same amount or more just sitting at home and being incredibly picky about the next job that you choose, right? Um, and this gets into a couple of different arguments here. There's a lot of people on the left that are very happy about this and a lot of people that are on the right. Okay. The people that are on the right are like, this is terrible. Those people shouldn't be receiving those benefits. They should just be having to go out and get a job just like the rest of us, even if they have to work for minimum wage. Okay. They shouldn't just be living off of the government's dime. All right. Whereas the people on the left say, 
the mere fact that people are able to receive more money from the government during a time of crisis than they would if they were going out and working a job for $15, $16, $17 an hour shows you how poor the wage growth actually has been within the United States, okay? What they're basically saying is we should want workers to be more picky and have the opportunity to be more picky about the jobs that they're choosing because it forces then businesses to raise their benefits, to raise the wages that they're paying employees, and it allows the employee to hopefully get a job that they would like and that they would stay at for a much longer period of time. Uh, there are arguments to both, um, you know, benefits and cons to both of those arguments there. So, the third thing as to why unemployment in the economy may be looking a little weird right now. Changes in worker preferences, okay? So not surprisingly, workers are now starting to look for and demand remote working positions. Many employees have realized that they can do their job from the comfort of their home, sitting in their boxers on their couch, and are now saying that they do not want to go back to work unless they have, you know, some sort, uh, have some sort of incredible benefits, right? So a lot of, a lot of workers are like, listen, I'm not going to go back into doing a commute and going into an office every day unless, you know, I'm, I have some incredible benefits as a result from it, right? And if you're not going to give me some kind of crazy benefits, then I want to be able to sit in my house and do my job because I can do it from home, okay? This is forcing companies to figure out logistically and from a culture standpoint as well, uh, the highest uh, how to be able to keep people uh, in the jobs and actually working remotely. Um, one of the difficult things as well is that the highest growth industries right now are in construction, manufacturing, you know, sectors like that, meaning that, of course, you have to have, you know, a physical strain on your body, but you also can't do that from home. You can't be a construction worker sitting on your couch. You have to actually be there with the hammer in your hand, right? So many of people are just choosing to not go and work for it because they're getting the benefits that they need in order to be picky, okay? So all of this is incredibly interesting. Having people refuse to go back into the workforce is an incredibly large burden on the economy, okay? Especially when those people are living off of government handouts and government payments, okay? We should expect to see wages increase over the next few months as the labor market continues to get higher, uh, con or con continues to get tighter, I mean to say, uh, which seems like a good thing, right? So if you're saying, all right, wages are going to go up because the labor market is actually tightening a little bit, it seems like, all right, well, Austin, why is that not a good thing? The reason why I think it's not beneficial is because it's artificial, okay? This is an artificial tightening of the labor market. And the reason why it's artificial is because it's the government actually stepping in and basically flooding the economy in people's pocketbooks with cash that are currently unemployed. When the government benefits run out, which they always do, uh, there will be a job market flooded with people that now have to go back to work, okay? So in September... When all those benefits run out, there's all of a sudden going to be millions of people that are looking around and they're like, well, I got to find a job, right? Because I'm, I'm not getting paid anymore. So I got to go out and I got to find something, which of course will, will cause the labor market to loosen back up a ton. There's all of a sudden going to be a ton of workers that companies can choose from. And as a result, they're not going to have to raise their wages. If anything, they're going to be able to lower their wages back down very, very quickly, which of course would be very poor for the wage market and the labor market as a whole. So uh, the government handouts and the government uh, through all this stuff, all this COVID stimulus and everything actually may in the end actually hurt the economy in a way that I think a lot of economists 
weren't necessarily thinking about a lot when, and especially congressional people, when they were passing a lot of this COVID stimulus uh, within this past couple months and, you know, the entirety of this past year. So with all of that, that is the end of our second story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our third story and last story, story number three. So for our third story of the day, Trump gets banned from Twitter again. So ever since being banned from Twitter and from Facebook a couple of months ago, Trump has been trying to figure out a way to get back on, okay? There are incredible platforms for being able to push out your message and your agenda to millions and millions of people all over the world with just the click of a button. It's instant, right? And Trump loved that. He was completely unfiltered. Nobody controlled what he had to say. He was able to just, whoop, in 140 characters, send a blast out to millions of people, and they knew exactly what was on his mind. The problem is he got banned from Twitter permanently and indefinitely from Facebook, okay? Facebook is monitoring it a little close, little more closely. They're going to check it all over again, supposedly, all right? We don't actually know what's going to happen there. But as a result, Trump decided that he was going to launch a new website recently called From the Desk of Donald J. Trump. The goal of it basically is to be a blog in the shape of and the format of a timeline, just like Facebook and just like Twitter, where Trump is able to air out his grievances against everyone that has done him wrong and tell anyone that will listen to him how horrible everyone has been to him. Uh, so he's essentially creating his own social media platform, but just for himself. Honestly, incredibly smart. I don't care what anybody says. Donald Trump, is he, he's, he can make some boneheaded decisions sometimes, but the dude is a marketing genius. He knows how to communicate with his people, okay? He has a huge following, and there are plenty of people that will go on there, subscribe, and follow to that website and see what he has to say simply because they love Donald Trump, okay? So he decided to try and make a Twitter account for this new website and platform, okay? And Twitter banned it immediately. <laughs> they said, quote, as stated in our banned evasion policy, we'll take enforcement action on accounts whose apparent intent is to replace or promote content affiliated with a suspended account. Okay, it is apparently obvious that these social media platforms do not like good old Donald Trump and they're doing their best to make sure that they're monitoring everything he says and making sure he's not on their accounts or not on their platforms. So in response on this on his new website, Trump said this. Quote, what Facebook, Twitter, and Google have done is a total disgrace and an embarrassment to our country. Free speech has been taken away from the President of the United States because the radical left lunatics are afraid of the truth. But the truth will come out anyway, bigger and stronger than ever before. The people of our country will not stand for it. These corrupt social media companies must pay a political price and must never again be allowed to destroy and decimate our electoral process. You can tell that Trump actually did write this himself because it is in his standard middle school level prose and also random words were capitalized. So, you know, it's got to be Donald Trump. So the question in all of this is whether or not social medias are making the right move here, right? Okay. Will this actually help? or hurt their business, okay? What they may be doing right now is pushing a huge amount of their users away because if Donald Trump gets mad enough, and it looks like he is, he's just going to go out and create all of his own media and social media companies and start competing with all the big dogs, which is definitely not what they want. If they continue 
to have his account permanently deleted if they continue to not allow him to be able to speak on his platform. One, they've already driven a ton of conservatives absolutely furious over all of this. But two, what they may do is actually end up allowing for more room and more space for people that have enough power to create a social media company that could compete against them. And that may very well end up happening. And if it does, there's going to be a huge portion of that Twitter and Facebook space and market share that ends up kind of getting pulled away, especially because Twitter is incredibly toxic. I don't know if you've gone on it very much recently. I honestly try to stay away from it because it is pretty awful. Uh, but there are a lot of people that are like, mm, you know what? I'm kind of all for free speech. I'd rather there be kind of like a little bit of a Wild West type of social media. So I'm going to go on over to a different place like Palais, right? Or somewhere else like Donald J. Trump's, uh, I don't maybe a little Donald J. Trump Patriot uh, social media company, uh, .net. And they get over there and start tweeting out or doing whatever it is that they want on this new social media platform. And Twitter ends up seeing a good portion of their fan base and their audience go away. So... That is the end of our third story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our last segment, my favorite segment, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week was actually being able to go out and get on the golfing range, the driving range for a little while for the first time in a long time. And let me tell y'all, I had a blast. It was so much fun. Weather has been absolutely beautiful for the most part here in Columbia, South Carolina, the weather's great. It was like a crisp 70 degrees. The sun was out. It was beautiful. Felt so good to get out and swing a golf club for the first time in a while. We grew up on a golf course. Haven't been able to golf in a while, so really, really enjoyed that. Um, don't know if many of my audience members are big golfers as well, uh, but it's a fun sport. It's good to be able to get out and play some of your friends and have a good time. So enjoyed that a little bit. Made me smile. So with all that, that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much for listening in and for checking us out. As always, always, y'all, remember we're going to do our best to stay level-headed. We're always going to be reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor. Thank you for listening to Split the Difference podcast, written, recorded, and hosted by Austin Taylor. If you're interested in getting in touch with me on Instagram, you can find me at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on Facebook and YouTube at Split the Difference and on my website at splitthedifference.com. Production for the intro and outro music done by Rosewood Records Recording Studio. If you're interested in booking or learning more about them, you can reach them on Facebook or Instagram at Rosewood Records SC or on their website, www.rosewoodrecordssc.com. <laughs>